It's time for Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Postgame Live is brought to you by Quick Quack Car Wash. Fast, clean, loved, everywhere. Also by Provo Land Title. Buying, selling, or refinancing? Close with the pros at Provo Land Title. Relax. PLT has you covered. And by First Colony Mortgage, your trusted lender for all your mortgage needs. Visit firstcolonymortgage.com. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. The eighth-ranked BYU Cougars are now 9-0 after defeating North Alabama at Lavelle Edwards Stadium today by a final score of 66-14. to Welcome into Cougar Post Game Live. Jason Shepard with you. Over the next couple of segments, we'll update you on some other action going on in college football. A very big game between number 7 Cincinnati at UCF. We'll update you on that game, as well as others in the top 25. Also watching the uh, post-game Zoom press conference awaiting for... Uh, waiting for the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, to show up on my screen. When he does, you will hear him as well as players. Uh, and uh, we'll break this one down. Obviously, 66 points is going to look pretty good in terms of the college football playoff rankings that will come out on Tuesday. You put up 66 regardless of who you're playing. That's certainly a number that will stand out. We'll have to wait and see where BYU falls when those rankings do come out on Tuesday. But winning 66-14 is not a bad way to do that. A couple of things that stood out to me. Obviously, when you look at this game, it was obviously over at the half. It was probably over uh, before then. But in terms of the stats that you look at at the half, those were your starters. And that's when BYU had the the lead at 42-7 to at the half. And... From the second half on, it was uh, all backups. You had Baylor Romney coming in at the half, 8 of 10 for 65 for a touchdown. You had uh, Soljay Mayava Peters that came in and uh, making his uh, appearance. All he did was handoff, and you had Miles Davis running in for a touchdown. And speaking of Miles Davis, picked up his first touchdown as a BYU Cougar. And then on that handoff from Soljay, uh, picked up his second rushing touchdown of the the game. So congratulations to Miles Davis. Now two touchdowns as a BYU Cougar, but I do want to go back to the first half. 10 of 16 for 212 yards and four touchdowns for Zach Wilson. That is uh, a pass rating of 256.3. Just unbelievable in a half of action. Also in a half, Tyler Algier, 13 carries for 141 yards and two TDs, averaging nearly 11 yards per carry. He was phenomenal. And how about Dax Milne? Four catches, 101 yards. And then you had guys like Kavika Fanua with uh, four catches for 36 yards. You also had Kavika, seven for 36 on the ground. Overall, the, the first half especially, the offense was just clicking on all cylinders and really put North Alabama uh, in their rearview mirror uh, quite quickly. Uh, defensively, obviously North Alabama able to get two touchdowns, one in the first half, one in the second half, and um, a, a bit surprised that they scored the 14 points, uh, but in that second half you had a lot of guys that uh, were getting some of their first significant playing time, and uh, sometimes that's what's going to happen, but uh, 66-14, nobody's going to complain about that whatsoever. Also somebody to mention, uh, Isaac Rex uh, with two more touchdowns. That's now eight touchdowns on the season. His freshman season 
season, eight TDs. He passed his dad, Byron, who had seven uh, for his career. And right now, Isaac Rex, and we talked about this in pregame, one touchdown shy of Matt Bushman's career touchdown total of nine. And we know how good Matt Bushman is. The fact that Isaac Rex has eight touchdowns in his freshman season is quite remarkable. Congratulations to Isaac Rex on what has begun to be a fantastic year for him. But the important part, BYU gets the win. They are 9-0, and and they pick up the victory 66-14. to Fans, remember when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50, that's BYU50, at PapaJohns.com this coming Monday and receive 50% off Pizza, this offer is good at any Utah location, Monday only. All right, coming up on the other side, mention some other college football scores. We'll update you on those, including number seven, Cincinnati at UCF. We'll do that coming up on the other side. BYU gets the win 66-14 over UNA. We'll have more Cougar Post Game Live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. BYU 66, the University of North Alabama 14. The Cougars now 9-0 on the season. Welcome back into Cougar Post Game Live. Still waiting for the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, to make his appearance on Zoom. When he does, you will hear from the head coach. Let's update you on some other top 25 action, and it's a big one. Number seven, Cincinnati at Central Florida. They are nearing the end of the third quarter. It is 25-22 in favor of the Knights. UCF. Uh, within the last couple of minutes, picked up a 19-yard touchdown and then a two-point conversion, giving them the three-point lead over the Bearcats. But Cincinnati is driving. They are across the 50-yard line, so we shall see. But as of right now, 53 seconds to go in the third quarter. UCF leading number 7 Cincinnati, 25-22. to Fourth quarter action at Northwestern. Number 19 Northwestern doubling up number 10 Wisconsin, 14-7. to UCLA at Oregon, the 11th ranked Ducks with a 10-point lead at 38-28. In the third quarter at Alabama, number one, Crimson Tide absolutely destroying the Kentucky Wildcats. It is 42-3 in favor of Alabama. Going into the fourth quarter, 17th ranked Iowa State shutting out K-State. It is 38-0 in favor of the Cyclones. Some finals from earlier today. Number three, Ohio State defeats number nine, Indiana, 42-35. Number six, Florida winning at Vanderbilt, 38-17. And number 15, Coastal Carolina, which uh, trailed for a lot of this game, comes back to win by 11. They win 34-23 over Appalachian State. All right. Games coming up a little bit later on, yet to kick off at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Number 23, Auburn, hosting Tennessee. 5.30 Mountain Time, 13th ranked Georgia. Bulldogs hosting Mississippi State. Number 14, Oklahoma State. At number 18, Oklahoma, that game also kicking off at 5.30 Mountain Time. Number 21, Liberty at NC State. At 8.30 Mountain Time tonight, number 20, USC 2-0 at Utah at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Obviously, that is Utah's first game of the season, and that is the last game that will kick off in the top 25. Let's update you on one other game. It is not in the top 25, but it does feature BYU's next opponent, 
That is assuming BYU does not add another game. Right now, San Diego State is at Nevada, and the Wolfpack have a five-point lead, 26-21. Nevada leading the Aztecs of SDSU with 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Let's quickly uh, look back and see if there's been any change to that score with Cincinnati. Uh, It is not. a Cincinnati looks like... um, They either turned the ball over on downs or had to punt because UCF has the ball and a three-point lead as they head to the fourth quarter. All right, take a break, come back. If Kalani is speaking to the media, we'll let you hear from him. Otherwise, we'll wrap things up and we'll let uh, Greg and Riley uh, let you hear from the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake. We'll uh, figure that out when we come back. The important thing is BYU's 9-0. They defeat UNA 66-14. More Cougar postgame live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 66-14, BYU gets the win. They improve to 9-0. and And as I mentioned, currently on the schedule, the Cougars with only one more game yet to play. That will be December 12th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium hosting the San Diego State Aztecs with uh, two games, or excuse me, with two weeks Uh, In between, uh, the question is whether or not BYU will add a game. We will have to wait and see. I know that Tom Holmo uh, earlier today was on BYU TV during the pregame show, and he had commented that they certainly are uh, are looking for at all options in terms of adding, possibly staying where they are and just playing the one more game. He also said that uh, maybe earlier in the season, uh, you certainly were willing to play anybody anywhere, but now with uh, things being the way they are, uh, later in the year you, you have the opportunity to be a little bit more selective uh, in terms of if you play or not. So it remains to be seen if BYU will have two more weeks uh, without a game and then play their final one, or if the Cougars will add a game. So we're obviously talking about next Saturday, which would be the 28th, and then the 5th of December. Those are the two open dates currently before the regular season would come to an end for BYU, uh, hosting the San Diego State Aztecs on the 12th of December. It looks like the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, may be making his way to the podium. Um, But I I think it's going to be held up for just a little bit. So you know what? Let's go ahead and wrap things up here. You will hear from head coach Kalani Satake uh, during the Cougar Locker Room Show. That's coming up next. BYU gets the win. 66-14 over UNA. And you heard it all right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show, brought to you by Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, final score today is BYU 66 and North Alabama 14. The most points ever scored by a BYU team in the Kalani Sitake era. And uh, the eighth most scored in a single game by BYU all time. We're awaiting the postgame press conference with Kalani Sitake and players. And Kalani's in position, but a few technical difficulties preventing the uh, Zoom feed from getting up and running at this moment. So as soon as it is available, we'll bring it and Kalani's postgame words to you. 
but uh, currently we're waiting for that feed to get active as right now they're still working through that situation in the BYU press conference area. So uh, Zach Wilson's day ended in the first half. Uh, Riley, we have seen Zach get a series into the second half in previous blowouts this year. It was one half and done uh, for Zach. From a percentage standpoint, uh, there were a couple misfires, but when you throw it only 16 times, it's going to be hard to keep a really high number that way. But today, percentage-wise, Zach was at uh, 63%. For him, that's you know below average, right? But uh, it's, it's a decent day that way. But efficiency, it was a tremendous day. 10 for 16, 212 yards, four touchdowns and no picks, a passer rating of 256.3. Somehow he does this game after game after game. You know, games of 200-plus used to be, you know, rare air. That was, that was a big deal. And here are Zach's passer ratings, pass efficiency ratings this year. 206, 232, 223, 177, 205, 225, 139, and, uh, and then 222 today it, uh, at 256. So he's putting up ridiculous numbers. A season high today in pass efficiency. We go back to his perfect game against Western Michigan. That was a 321.3. That was, as a starter, his high. So today was his second highest single-game pass efficiency rating, and it comes in one half a play. Uh, again, what more do you want from this guy at this point? Yeah, you can't ask anything more from him. And it, the, just for people to understand this statistic, it has a bunch of different components, but completion percentage is one. But chunk plays, yards per attempt or yards per completion are another, and then also touchdowns per attempt, right, which is why it's so high today, which is why it's his second highest ever. Had 10 completions and four of those 10, so 40% of his completions were completed for touchdowns. The thing I like about this stat line is it doesn't look like BYU came out and tried to pad his stats, you know, because he's in the Heisman conversation, because he's, uh, you know, on the Sammy Baugh watch list, and he's he's garnering all this national attention. It doesn't look like they came out and forced it. Rather, it just looks like he came out and did his job, and um, these, <laughs> these type of performances are coming commonplace, as crazy as it is to hear myself say that. We'll take a break. We'll come back and hopefully have Kalani Sitake ready to talk to the press on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 66 and North Alabama 14. The Lions play their final game in a shortened FCS schedule. They fall to 0-4. That's it for them. They've also opted out, by the way, of the spring schedule. So FCS teams, including Big South teams, are, are available to play uh, a spring schedule, and they've opted out of that. This is it for them. So they go 0-4 this year. But their best showing came in their final game as they fall 66-14. to Again, only the 14 points scored, but you know, 14 points are the most scored by an FCS opponent against BYU since 2008. They gained 350-plus uh, yards of offense, which is more than 100 yards better than their per-game average. And so all those things the uh, Lions can point to. We believe that the connection from the BYU press conference area is secure, and I think Kalani is about ready to speak to the press. We see the video of Kalani. We're just waiting to make sure that we can hear audio and get his postgame comments. Once we know that the audio was live, we will bring that to you as he is standing by. BYU is a big winner today, and the Cougs go to 9-0. and Let's hear from Kalani. Here we go. Had a lot of guys uh, get in the game and play some uh, some reps, so we, we felt like we got some good experience for uh, a lot of our guys on the team. So 
Uh, obviously, we had some mistakes. I uh, thought we were able to correct to play clean, cleaner in the second half. And um, I appreciate all the effort that our guys showed and the excitement and the level of competition that they had. They're just they're ready to play and had fun doing it. So uh, thank you to North Alabama for taking the game and sticking with the schedule and and uh, being here, you know, and um, it, was, it was fun to be on the field with them and, um, you know, wish them the best of luck and, and what they're doing in 2021. I, I believe this is their last game. So just thankful that they're able to be here and play here in Provo. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to improving from this game and getting better as we are every week. And uh, just happy we got the win. Looking forward to getting better, though. All right, let's take some questions from Alex Vihar, then Jay Drew, and then Jared Lloyd. Hi, Coach. Um, Alex Vihar with the Salt Lake Tribune. You guys came in um, tied with Clemson um, at plays that went at least 10 yards or more. Um, today, you guys were able to surpass them. What is it about your offense that you kind of try to get some of those big plays? Is it just the personnel or is it kind of scheme that you really like to get those? Um, you really like to get your offense in just performing in that way. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, give a lot of credit to our offensive coaches. And I think, I think we're, first of all, I think we're playing good team football, um, complimentary football. And, and, and uh, with the mindset of what our team, our coaches, and, and our, our philosophy is as a program. You know, we're utilizing the skill that we have and, and, and the strengths and and trying to make plays and trying to put as many points on the board as we can. And uh, in order to do that, uh, you give a lot of credit to our coaches, our assistant coaches and the coordinators for making it happen and developing a scheme that Zach would feel really comfortable with and then complement it with everything that we have with the receivers, tight ends, uh, uh, and with the running back. And so I, I think looking at that and seeing our run game, you couldn't accomplish any of that without an O-line and a, a deep O-line. And then the same thing carries over on the defensive side, being able to play, uh, you know, solid starting up in the trenches with the D-line and then uh, going from there. So I give a lot of credit to, to Elisa Tuyaki, who's our DC, and Jeff Grimes is our OC, and Ed Lamb is our special teams coordinator. Those guys did an amazing job uh, communicating with the players and utilizing the skill that they have, the strengths that we have to try to play good complimentary football and, and get points on the board. I think you're on mute, Jay. Yeah, Kalani, I know your defense was pretty vanilla. You shuffled in a lot of guys, but uh, not being able to force three and outs until basically late in the game. Um, and you did have some turnovers, but just overall, what was your assessment of the defense today? Yeah, we can improve on a lot of things, you know, and, and we got a lot of bodies in there. We got a lot of reps. Um, I think getting off the field would be really important. I thought we gave up too many first downs, you know, but um, the effort was there. We created some turnovers. And, um, you know, I think that uh, looking at it, we, we have to be better against the pass. But um, when you can stop the run, make teams um, more, uh, you know, having to play one side, not being balanced and disrupting them, I think you're going to be okay. So overall, just happy with the performance. I mean, obviously you want to, Keep keep. They had some big plays and and we're able to get uh, two scores, two touchdowns on the scoreboard. And we're always going to look at it and try to improve it. But I I was really pleased with some of the things I saw from uh, our players, specifically the young guys. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep building on that. And there's always room for improvement. And we 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 know there's some on the defensive side, but overall, if we can hold teams to 14 points, and we, we should be pretty good. 
Kalani, you've talked before about how you enjoy watching the game and being on the sideline. When you see Zach make that sidearm throw or avoid that sack in the in the end zone and, and run for 30 yards, how much fun is that for you as a football observer to see a kid making those types of plays? Yeah, I mean, I, from, from every position, I enjoy seeing those guys when it goes well. You know what I mean? And But uh, I, I've, I've seen him do that a lot in practice, but I, I was always just really pleased with what Zach's doing as a quarterback of our team. And then you see – uh, the coaching that he's getting from from Aaron Roderick, from A-Rod, and, and then you see the carryover that it has, the effect that it has, and, and some of the things that Baylor's doing when he gets on the field, and, and Soljay and Conover and all those guys. So uh, a lot of compliment to, to our, our compliments to our, our assistant coach and, and, and our, our quarterback's coach and A-Rod, you know, and, and being able to collaborate with the players or the quarterback position and work with, with Grimes. I, I mean, Zach's starting to feel really comfortable out there and, and – but he's he made those those, those throws. It's been, he's been doing that since he got here. He's just he's got a high level of, uh, of, of IQ in football, and especially that quarterback position. He's starting to feel really comfortable with this uh, with his role, and and you see a lot of those guys get comfortable with it, with the experience that they've had the last couple of years. Even Baylor getting in there and having feeling comfortable in the offense, and so there's some guys that are still brand new on offense, defense, and special teams that we're trying to get past that uncomfortable, the uncomfortable moment and allow them to play fast. And so uh, we saw a little bit of that this game, but it's okay. I mentioned before that we're going to sacrifice some stats in order to get our guys to, to get some valuable experience, which will add to our depth. All right, let's have a question from Jacob Hatch, Mitch Harper, and Max Clark. Kalani, I wanted to ask you, you said at halftime that you didn't expect to see Zach come back out. Was your hope to play Baylor, Soljay, and Conover? How were you kind of divvying out the reps in the second half quarterback-wise? Yeah, I mean, we wanted to see how – to get as many reps as we can with all those guys, but it's it's one of those things where uh, I think, you know, we didn't have a lot of plays on offense. I'm looking at it, we had 59 plays on offense. And so uh, I think they, they – they, you know, looking at North Alabama, they possessed the ball – kind of slowing the game down a little bit. They did that with everyone that they played. Uh, so when you're watching them against um, Liberty and against Jacksonville State, and then you see them against uh, uh, Southern Miss, they kind of just took their time, slowed the game down a little bit. And that's why um, Liberty scored 28 points. Jacksonville State scored 24 and, and Southern Miss scored 24. And so we knew that we would have to take advantage of the plays that we had. And uh, when you have 59 um, plays and, 66 points. That's pretty good. That's good efficiency for our offense. And uh, defensively, we I thought we did some really good things, specifically up front, stopping the run. And, and uh, you know, they, they got some some pass plays. And credit to them. They did some really good things in the past game. And it's just something for us to keep learning from. So, Kalani, you guys are the only team in the country right now that's 9-0 at the moment. Uh, where do you guys expect to be in those first playoff rankings coming up on Tuesday? I don't know. I don't even know how that how that works. On Tuesday, all I care about is that we're going to have uh, an opportunity to get better as a team. So that's that's all my focus on. Sorry, you want to ask another question? Since that was like, I just went through it real quick. Real quick. How about uh, you mentioned earlier the, some of the young guys that uh, maybe caught your eye? Who who were some of those individuals that you thought uh, showed well in their opportunity to get some snaps in? Well, I think um, Malik Moore stands out. He he made some plays and. I probably should have had a, another pick, but um, we got you know pushed out of his hands. But I, I think he did some good things. We saw some D linemen get in there and play again. I 
it's hard for me to, to name guys unless I just I think Malik made a nice pick. But, you know, um, you saw uh, Kavika played some running back, you know, and, and we're still working with Sione. I thought Miles did a great job of coming in and running the ball. And, um, you know, we're looking to get a first down and in and that one, and he just popped it into the end zone. So, um, but really, really pleased with a lot of the things our guys are doing uh, uh, overall. And so I, uh, those are the ones that stand out the most to me. Coach, Isaac Rex had some big shoes to fill in Matt Bushman um, this year, but he has been very consistent um, and consistently dominant week in and week out. What can you say about his progression as a player and his development, um, especially considering the fact that he has a few more years in the Cougar uniform? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of at the point now where we know he's a legit guy, but we've been saying that for a while. We, I think we've been saying that we felt really good with this, with the skill and Dax and, and, and Neil and, and Gunner, you know, we, we knew we were going to be good. It's just a matter of getting out there and letting them make plays. And um, that's, that's a, a lot of confidence that, that our quarterback has on a fourth down to throw it up for grabs to our tight end. And uh, Isaac's got great ball skills and he's really big. And so, I uh, like what I've seen from our, our tight end group, like what I've seen from our receiver group and our, our O-line. And uh, we, we took a step forward today as a team, getting uh, getting depth and getting valuable experience. All right, we'll take one more question from Jacob Edmonds. Hey, Coach. Um, I just wanted to talk about kind of looking ahead, and you've obviously had two-week breaks already this season, but this one's kind of unique. Uh, what is – this week and maybe even the week after of prep look like uh, as you prepare for San Diego state, but with also the potential of maybe Tom scheduling another game this week mm -hmm. or next. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot of um, talk from a lot of different people about our, our schedule and everything. I just want to remind everyone that uh, we're the only ones that were committed to playing football in the West in August. So if you're going to assume anything, you should probably assume that we want to get games. You know, and Tom's not a hard guy to get hold of. So I remember when we were, our schedule was still rolling. And that's why I'm thankful to North Alabama to sticking to the schedule and, and coming out here and playing us. Um, there was a time where we, our schedule was looking really, really uh, difficult to look at. We, we didn't know what was going on. There's a lot of things in the air. And Tom worked really hard uh, with our administration and leadership and, and got a schedule together. And, and then so when teams started deciding, conferences decided they wanted to play again. It wasn't really hard for the Mountain West teams in Boise and San Diego State to add us. It, it happened really quickly. And so uh, our schedule has been set for, our, for a while. We've been committed to playing football. And so I just want to remind everyone that, that we have been that way from the very beginning. We didn't, we didn't when things were looking pretty, pretty bleak for a lot of teams to play, we stuck within our, 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 our leadership and administration. Everybody stuck with it. So, uh, you know, if, if that does happen, then, then – Get a, get a hold of them because we want to play games as many as possible. I've been really pleased with the way our team handled after after you know we've learned a lot from about COVID and about the pandemic and and trying to find ways to, to stay as safe as possible and and uh, just like everybody else, we've been dealing with um, with our depth and dealing with guys that are that are tested positive and coaches, staff, and players and and um, you know we we just like everybody else and so. But my main point is just reminding everyone that we were in this from the very beginning. And so if there's a way that we can get more games, then great. But you should probably assume that we want to play more football because that's, that's what we committed to doing from the very beginning when nobody else was doing it.
That's great. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for joining us. All right, that is head coach Kalani Sitake. James Empey is next as we continue on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 9-0 BYU defeats North Alabama 66-14. The Cougar postgame press conference underway here on the Cougar Locker Room Show, and center James Empey is at the podium. It just comes from everybody trying to do uh, their job the best way they can every time, and and when you do that, then then good things happen. You know, then, you know, you score a lot of points, you have a lot of big plays, and you have a good time, and um, you know, we're trying to execute our best. The coaches are trying to call the best plays, and and uh, I feel like we're doing a good job right now at, at um, just going out and playing for each other and, you know, playing our best every every time we get a chance. All right, let's take a question from Jacob Hatch and Jacob Evans. James, we've seen you guys kind of get back to being healthy 100% along that offensive line. Do you guys feel like you're finally gelling once again like you guys were early on this season? Yeah, I'm, I mean, football is a sport where, you know, people get hurt and go down for a few weeks and come back. And with COVID, you know, somebody might be out for a little bit and come back. And you just got to – you always have to deal with those things. And, you know, we, we have guys that can play at, at every position. And it's been fun to see a lot of guys get to play this year. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, we have a few guys that are back that, that weren't here. But it's, you know, it's the our, our same unit. And that's just kind of goes to the integrity of the – line unit that we have and and how uh how close we are together and 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 how we just love playing ball so just shout out to all my boys man hey james uh i I know this season's unique and and you guys have to be grateful to have you know played nine games this season but just what's it like as a player to have a week off you play one game and now you have two more weeks off you know, that's got to leave a lot to be desired, right? Yeah, we, we want to play as much as we can, you know what I mean? And so we're going to we're gonna get after it this week and, you know, and this th- these next few weeks, really, and, and do our best to, to um, you know, be ready for that next game. And we're going to get after it and try to get the best we can be. We've got a bunch of guys that, that enjoy the grind and enjoy um, getting better, and, and that's really what our focus has been this last little bit. So, you know, we, we, we know that they're still scheduling and, and people are trying to, you know, we, we're, we're still trying to play people and we're ready to play anybody any, any day. So whether, whether we'll have three weeks before our next game, I don't know, but we're just, we're just going to hit the, you know, hit, hit it and start working and, and keep grinding for that next game and, um, and just keep our rhythm going. Okay, question from Sean Walker. James, I, I think you kind of answered my question right there, but maybe just to follow up and kind of get it a little bit more clear, are, would you, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of actively lobby to maybe get more games added? Do you want more games? Is that kind of something that you're going to, I don't know, maybe silently send Tom some texts or messages or that kind of thing? Or I don't, I don't think I have to send Tom any messages. Tom, Tom's told us since the beginning that he's going to try and, and fight for us and get us as many games as possible. And you just heard Kalani say the same thing. He just, you know, he just said that, that we've, we, we've always been ready to play. We've been committed to play since the beginning. And so it, it doesn't make any sense that we wouldn't want to, you know, have more games. So I think everybody on the team wants, 
you know, just wants to keep playing ball and, and keep doing our thing. And, and so we welcome any opportunity that we get to play football. All right, I think that's it. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right, that is uh, James Empey. Uh, Malik Moore is next. In fact, I think we might just stay here until Malik takes the podium and actually uh, get Malik's comments without taking a break. Malik uh, picked up his second career interception today. Uh, his first one came uh, as a freshman, and he's now uh, taking the seat at the podium. Let's hear from Malik Thanks Moore. Thanks for joining us. We have a couple questions from the media. We'll have Jared Lloyd and then John Kuhn. Okay. Hey, Malik, congrats on getting that pick and uh, being able to, to be out there a lot. What was it like to, to be able to have a game where you guys got a lot of time on the field, lots of guys were able to play on the defense, ups and downs, good moments, bad moments, but what was that like for you? Um, for me, it, it felt good to just be out there again because I had, um, you know, an injury in, back in January, so had surgery then, but it felt real good to be back out there with my boys and go out there and ball out. And um, this is a great game for everybody to just, you know, show the coaches what they can do and that there's no drop off when next year comes around. <laughs> Malik, when when you see an offense like BYU's score on all six drives in the first half, from the defensive side of things, what, what does that do for you guys? I mean, how, how much does that pump you up when you get back out on the field? There's more opportunities to make plays, just more opportunities, you know, just to um, show everybody what we can do. And uh, sometimes it's for sure tiring when they scoring that fast, two plays in, and they're already on a five-yard line. You're like, what? But, I mean – it's cool to just know that you have an offense that can back you up if you make a mistake and you got to, you know what I mean? So either way, it feels good, though, just to be out there and have opportunity after opportunity to just get the assignment sound and um, make plays out there. All right. Questions from Alex and then Jay and then Sean. Malik, one one more quick question about the offense. As, as you're standing on the sideline and you're watching it unfold, you know, there's a lot of big plays. There's, you know, passes by Zach or runs that go, you know, 10, 15 yards all the time. Um, from, a, from a viewer's perspective, what do you think is so special about your team's offense? Um, I think they just trust each other now. They just trust each other a lot more and they just click. Um, if you see in practice, they're always going, you know, pads on. It's just real strict, you know what I mean? So I think to see it on the field is just – it's cool to know that they all click together and they know their assignments and it just works out when everybody's doing their one eleven. Yeah, uh, Malik, did you guys have a goal for a shutout? Did you uh, verbalize that in any way with each other? And is there some disappointment that that didn't quite come to fruition? Uh, for sure. we. I know um, <clears throat> we all wanted – we weren't really listening to the media um, and how we were supposed to win by 50 or anything. We knew what we were capable of, and our goal was to just have an assignment sound game with no no mistakes, um, just play a full game because we feel like we haven't finished the game in the fourth quarter or third quarter here lately. So I think that was more of the goal. But it's for sure disappointing to see that they scored off of just, you know, MAs and – all that stuff. Malik, correct me if I'm wrong. I kind of tried to look this up and got distracted, but I think that's that was your first pick out there in, a, you know, a couple of minutes. 
uh, for sure. Just kind of walk me through what you saw in there, how good it felt to get that pick. And and did did this game kind of feel like maybe an audition, um, for lack of a better term, to kind of show the coaches what you can do and, and that you deserve more minutes and that kind of thing? Um, sorry, repeat the question again. <laughs> Let's, well, let's let's start start with the pick. Just kind of walk me through the pick and just how good it felt to kind of to finally get another turnover because it's been a minute. Oh yeah, I had one my freshman year. I was I was pretty lit, New Mexico. But uh, the, the, this time, I know I had I could have had a pick before the half was over, and it felt like the dude hit it out my hand or whatever, whatnot. People want to say I dropped it, but I ain't dropped it. I could have caught it. Anywho, the second one, I had to make sure I I, I caught it. I had to make sure. So um, I just – it felt real slow. Like, the ball was coming. It felt like five seconds. And then I had to just cuddle it like a baby. I caught it. But, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's have one one last question from Jake Edmonds. Hey, Malik. Uh, what's it like as a player as you kind of enter these next two weeks not knowing if – you know, Tom's homo is going to schedule a game. Uh, you still have a game on the schedule as of now, but just as a player, uh, you know, how do you stay focused on uh, an opponent like San Diego State when you know there could potentially be another opponent before them? Um, it's just day by day, really. You know, just take every every day in practice and remember the uh, just remember your assignment on certain defensive calls or just the offense and the offensive calls. Because everything's always gonna carry over, and it might be slight, like little tweaks. Um, so I don't think it's a really big deal, you know, that um, <clears throat> we might have a game scheduled right away. So I know we had a game scheduled like a week before. Who do we have? I forgot who we had scheduled, but anywho, um, you know, I just say day by day. If we schedule it, then we move on to the next person. And we start watching film the next day. So it's all about getting those mental reps in for sure. That'll make it the transition a lot more easier from San Diego State to whoever we might play before. All right, that's it. Thanks, Malik. We appreciate it. All right, that is time. Malik Moore with his second career INT today. And again, I think we're going to stay with this during uh, before the break and hear from Tyler Algier. Then the plan will be to break and then hopefully speak with the player on the headset with Riley and me. Break one more time, and then it'll be time for Kalani Sitake. So the plan right now is to have Tyler Algier take the podium, and he is there. He had a big day, 141 rushing yards in the first half, two touchdowns, and here is Tyler with the media via Zoom. Alex and John. Tyler, I just saw you look down. I don't know if you looked at your numbers, but you go 13 carries for 141 yards and two touchdowns and just a half of work. What's it like to have a game like that where – you're averaging over 10 yards a carry. You get in the end zone a couple of times and just pretty much do almost whatever you wanted out there. You know, it's always a great feeling, but all that credit goes to the big guys, man, and the receivers. So that was honestly all the success goes to you – know, all my success goes goes to the online and all the – that was just an offensive offensive game right there. So I'll just say, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, hi, I'm Alex Fehar with the Salt Lake Tribune. You guys today passed Clemson as the number one team in the country that has, with the amount of plays that go 10 plus yards, um, a bunch of them today, obviously. What is so special about this offense that it just allows for a lot of big plays, whether it's on the pass or in the run game? You know, honestly, it's just the work that we put in and just us trusting each other. I think trust is the, is the big one that really makes us click. 
And honestly, I think that's just the big success and just having our minds right, just being prepared to do whatever it takes to get in the end zone. Tyler, uh, looking at how you've progressed this season, you, you had the career high run, running yards against Navy and you eclipsed that today, but you, you've been able to maintain consistency from game to game. For you, what's kind of been key to maintaining that consistency and being able to, to be a dependable runner for the Cougars? Uh, honestly, it's just, uh, I would say just having my mind right just weekly and then just forget, trying to, just forgetting about the success I did today and just getting my mind right for the next game, for the next game coming up. So it's honestly just and then learning from the film from today or whatever games, the past games, and then just implementing them into the game that week, I think just really, really just inspired me. And then just to be, just to be better and just to stay consistent. Have you gotten some personal satisfaction from seeing yourself progress from week to week like you have? Mm, uh, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's good. But honestly, I can't do 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 what I can without, without the big guys. So. That's all. That's all credit to them. Okay, let's take a question from Sean Walker and then Jared Lloyd. Hi, we've we've talked to you about your game and kind of the season that you've had a lot this year. So I want you to talk about two of your teammates, specifically the two of the new guys in that backfield with you, Kavika and then Miles today. Kind of break down their game and what did you think of of what you saw. Um, each of them two touchdowns apiece and that kind of thing. Can you break them down for us? You know, both of them, both of them are, are trusted, are trusted to be on the field. That's why you saw them out there. You know, it's just, they put in all the work and just, just learning down the plays and then just implementing them into, into the game. They worked hard. They worked their butts off actually just, just in practice and just doing what they can. I'm, I was heck of proud of them. Just doing what they were coached to do and then just, giving that little spice and just showing what they can do. So it was good seeing them out there. You're running back. We will take a break. Come back here from Isaac Rex after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to LaBelle Edwards Stadium where BYU defeats North Alabama by a final score of 66-14. to Two touchdown catches for Isaac Rex. Season TD grabs number seven and number eight. As of this moment in time, he leads all freshmen in touchdown catches this season. Isaac joining us now from the Cougar locker room area. Isaac, good to have you on. Greg and Riley upstairs here. Hey, Greg. How are you doing? Very, very well. Thanks. I appreciate you being with me. So uh, from an offensive standpoint, tough to do much better than that first half, right? Six touchdowns, six drives, kind of a perfect game that way. Would you mind uh, sharing us a little bit of what you felt the offensive game plan involved and how well you guys executed it through the first 30 minutes at least? Uh, We didn't really want to change it up too much. We kind of just wanted to play our game, uh, keep doing what we've been doing throughout the whole rest of the year and, uh, try to you know just be physical in the run game and then get open in the pass game and I thought we did a really good job of that Zach played really well the the quarterback um and then the obviously the O-lineman played really well in the in the wide receivers so 
and the running back. So everyone played really well in the first half, and it was fun uh, watching them play. How would you describe the connection that uh, you and Zach have right now? I think it's going really well. We're uh, He's looking for me a lot on jump balls, and um, I think we're doing a lot of one-on-one matchups with smaller DBs. So I think me and Zach obviously are finding each other really well, and he's finding everyone else. So we're all really happy with how Zach's performing, and he's just going to keep getting better and keep balling out. Your second touchdown comes on a fourth and goal from the three. Uh, what did you think about the play call when it came in? Well, that's just kind of a design play call. They they move me out wide, and if it's one-on-one, then they're going to throw me the ball. So it's up to me and Zach to connect. And Zach obviously threw a perfect ball, and the DB played really good coverage, I thought. But I just uh, I think the ball was high enough where I could get it, so i got to give credit to Zach. Isaac, give us a feel for what has prepared you for this moment. And by that, I mean high school. Did you play high school basketball? How were you used in your high school? What kind of offense did you run in high school? Were you in a lot of one-on-one scenarios, getting thrown uh, jump balls and fade balls? Or or has this all kind of been stuff that you've had to acquire and develop since you've gotten to BYU? So I played basketball um, throughout my whole years in in high school for San Clemente. And then um, I was actually more of a five. I was kind of chubbier in high school, and then I went on my mission, and I got a little... Uh, Stretched out a little bit? Yeah, I got a little taller and a little more lean. And so I was actually more of like a blocking tight end in high school, but I, I had some good catches, but nothing like... I never moved out to wide receiver or anything, but this is all kind of new. I'm trying to get used to my body a little bit more, and I think I can improve a lot. But um, yeah, basketball has actually helped me a lot. I love playing hoops with my dad and my brothers, and playing church ball is super fun, so... I'm just like like um, I kind of keep uh, trying to play hoops whenever possible. I think that translates to the field, Loki. Yeah, and especially I'm surprised to hear that you really were never flexed. You were mostly attached in high school. What kind of things are you working on or do you plan to continue to work on to get even more comfortable? Because I played with a guy, Dennis Pitta, yep. who was really comfortable out. And whenever we had one-on-one, man, we were gone. Whether he was singled up uh, to the short side of the field or whether he was you know, one-on-one or safety or backer, he was like a mismatch nightmare. What kind of stuff do you, do you do to work on your individual route running so that you really become that go-to? target in one-on-one situations yeah i want to work on getting better off um obviously off press using my hands and my feet to kind of uh, draw defenders away from me i also kind of want to work on my vert um i feel like i i can jump a little higher when i have those one-on-one matches matchups but um honestly uh i gotta just get better in all facets of the game uh, at wide receiver because it's something kind of new to me but I'm just going to keep trying to improve and um, keep making plays when Zach throws me the ball. You already know what your dad's career touchdown catch total was here at BYU, right? Uh, seven. And you know, <laughs> and you know that you passed him today, right? That's what I heard. <laughs> you have a long ways to go still. So um, you're, I, I'm happily you're going to leave him in the dust here uh, over the course of your career. It's just yes. kind of a fun little number to talk about, and uh, and it's great that you've been able to do so much as a freshman. Did you – I mean, I, I guess before Matt get hurt, Matt gets hurt, you may not have expected to be as primary a target as you've been. But once that happened, did you – did anything change within you? Like what, what's gonna, what, what you have to do this season? Yeah, Thanksgiving's gonna be fun with my dad. It's gonna be a <laughs> good, good time bragging. But um, well, it took me a, kind of a little bit to adjust to college football in the beginning. I mean, I was uh, I was playing, but I wasn't as big as a role. But I just kept trying to work every every week and try to get better and just make plays when when the ball came to me. So 
Um, it takes a while to, you know, you can't just jump right into it. It took me about like three, three or four games to really figure out, oh, this is this is what college football is about. And then, I'm um, luckily I've been uh, able to be a bigger part in the offense. But um, I just, I just whatever I need to do, block, run, or uh, be flexed out as receiver or or be a fullback, I'll I'll try to do it. How's your body holding up? Feels really good. And then we'll have a a nice break this next week for Thanksgiving. And then I'll be even more rested. Great. We don't know if um, if the break is going to extend all the way to San Diego State or not. We just don't know a few things. But if it stays the way it is, you're going to play again on December 12th. And and uh, that'll be the last chance you get unless something else gets added to, to make a statement, send a message, win a game, all those kinds of things. How close is this team to achieving what you hope, um, achieving what you think is possible, let's put it that way, before the postseason? Um. I honestly, we're we're just such a tight knit group, and we love each other so much that we'll do anything for for each other. So if we get more games added, that'll be great. If we don't, then we just got to focus on San Diego State and and winning that game. But I feel like we can we can go super far with uh with all the talent we have, and we can continue to get better, and we can continue to work and um make a big statement. So. Uh, we have a lot of potential, and we we want to fulfill that potential. The selection committee rankings, first ones of the year, come out Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Will you be tuning in? Yes, I will be tuning in for Where, sure. Where's a good place for BYU, do you think? Um, you guys I mean, top 10 team? Uh, I believe so. I just Wherever they put us, they put us. We're not too worried about the rankings right now. We're just worried about ourselves and and trying to get better every day. Sounds good. Isaac, great having you with us. Congratulations on the day. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving week. All right. Thanks, Greg. All right. That's Isaac Rex joining us, son of Byron. The Rexes have now combined for 15 career touchdown catches here at BYU. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, Kalani and the coach's comments are coming up next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the Cougars go to 9-0 for the first time since the 2001 season that opened to 12-0 before the Cougars suffered a couple of season-ending setbacks. BYU wins today's game 66-14 over North Alabama. It was a game, a North Alabama squad that came in and and moved the ball decently well, uh, 14 points to show for it, and uh, and put up 21 first downs. That's that's a good number for any team against BYU. So credit to the visitors for keeping the game on the schedule, being ready to play it, playing well, and, and giving BYU a solid effort. Kalani Sitake, BYU head coach, now joining us on the headset. Kalani, congratulations on the win today. Thank you. Yeah, happy to get that win. And and a word about North Alabama. You already mentioned it in your post-game press conference, but uh, in this day and age, you got to give credit to an opponent for being where they're supposed to be on game day in a way. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you're looking at their, they had some guys that were missing too, and, and uh, credit to their coaches for getting them ready. But, you know, I thought I thought uh, they, they they had a good game plan. They, they came in, threw the ball a little bit, tried to possess the, the clock. And, um, you know, and I, I just, I'm glad our guys were able to capitalize on it. I mean, to only have that, that many plays on offense and score that many points is a good sign. And defensively, I, I felt like we gave them way too many yards on um, in the passing game. Um, but it, I think it's some really good things for us to learn. And then I mentioned it before, uh, giving up stats for, for the, the experience is going to be huge for our depth. 
Yeah, only Houston had more passing yards and more first downs against you. So credit North Alabama for for doing what they wanted to do and then some today, especially through the air. And you saw, again, different quarterbacks, you know, different looks a little bit. Uh, they gave you a lot to defend. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we obviously want to do better uh, defending the pass with, with our DBs and linebackers. And, and um, you know, I think we, we've got to disrupt the throws a little bit more. And maybe it's our it's – our, zones or our man coverage things like that we've just got to find ways to defend better you know and then uh credit to them for making some great throws and making some great catches but i just felt like there there was a point where they were a little too comfortable just being able to get out there and, and throw the ball around a little bit and then you know when when they do catch the ball we have to find ways i, I think we had some missed tackles in the first half they were just not like us guys not coming to balance and not getting their body position right i know that i'm looking at some of the linebackers missed tackles early and on a, on a check down throw and that should be five yards and it turns into 12 that's not a good sign so uh, we were able to settle down a little bit focus on the fundamentals in the game and and uh, find ways to get out of out of drives hey coach one of the things that i thought was uh there were more bad at balls i believe greg four i i think felt like four deflections yeah, four de- at the line of scrimmage from from the defensive line having been a guy that i know has spent a lot of time uh with that position group and coaching technique like that so when you talked about disrupting the passing lane, things like that, that's one of the ways I thought that uh, your defense was particularly effective today. What, How do you kind of go about putting your guys in position to be able to do that? Because as a guy who was, you know, six foot sitting there trying to stare over six, five monsters, that was always something on, on the top of my mind. And it's an effective defensive tool. Well, you're, you're exactly right. But the pass rush is, is something that's got to be, um, it's it's like, a, it's 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 got to be coordinated, meaning, um, people think that just you're getting there and do, doing whatever you can to get to the quarterback, but you've got to collapse it a little bit. You've got to, in order to get batted balls, it's not just standing at the line of scrimmage jumping. It's actually closing the the, the distance and getting your hands up and um, being near to the quarterback, right? So uh, just being at the line of scrimmage and timing and jumping doesn't work for you. So being able to collapse the pocket more and get in his face and getting some knockback is key. And then if we can flush him out of there, it's chasing him down. There's There's couple times I thought we should have had sacks turn into a negative play for us, and then we'll learn from those. But there's also some times where I felt like um, we took the outside and should have taken more of a bull rush or getting to the quarterback's throwing uh, lane, meaning getting to his his uh, side of vision. For It just disrupt his vision a little bit. It's not just sacks. It's like getting in the, in the way and so he can't see defenders and can't see coverage even. So that stuff, we, we, we'll, we'll keep working on it, but I – it got better. I felt like the guys got used to it and started feeling the timing and everything down, and and um, that all that combined with being able to stop the run was key for us. And I thought the D line was in the right spot to really disrupt the run game, which forced them to throw a little bit. And when they throw, we need to come that, come down with sacks and, and turnovers and picks. So that's that's how it works. And we were able to get some turnovers, but most of them were forced fumbles. I think think two of them, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we we should have had some interceptions as well. So 66 points on 59 plays. That's great efficiency. Zach, another tremendously efficient game, his season high in pass efficiency for him. How satisfied are you with the result overall, Kalani? Well, I'm I'm really happy. I mean, we, we talked about playing at our best, and you say that, and it's like you, no one plays 60 minutes perfect, right? But um, as long as we can try to, that's that's the key. And, and I saw the effort. Um, you, when you're dealing with going against an opponent, you, you deal with them and their schemes and everything too. And, um, they, they were well prepared. I, I thought, uh, 
uh, North Alabama is well coached. Um, they're physical. They try to do as much as they can, and they try to take advantage of uh, the slowing the game down, trying to stay close with it. And I thought we were able to just blow them out of the water by being aggressive and and uh, playing good complementary football on, on all three phases. So for a while there, Kalani, people looked at November 28th as, as a possibility for another game as it was open. And, but now they're a week away. Safe to say it's unlikely something pops up next Saturday for you, or how, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, now that we're in Saturday, I mean, we've had plenty of time. You guys heard me in the post game. I just, I mean, we want to play. We've we've said that for months now. We've been doing that from the beginning. I reminded everyone that we were committed to playing football when everybody else said they weren't. You know, they were looking at doing a spring schedule. And so Tom Homo's been working on it. He's He's been fielding a lot of quest- a lot of phone calls and um, but the timing's got to be right. It can't be sprung up on you mm-hmm. on a, you know, on a Sunday. It's got to be f- earlier. And, and maybe um, with all the policies and protocols that people are coming up with, we, we've been through this. We've been through this longer than most of those other teams. And so we had an, an, an opportunity where we, an, an issue where we got in trouble with contact tracing and some positive testing, and we had to miss a game. Uh, from that moment till now, I think we've had a really good uh uh, set up as far as playing the the seven games in a row. Yep. And then you look at the things that we've learned and picked up along the way. Our testing protocol has actually been really, really good, you know, and, and us doing it three times a week and the PCR test has been really, really good for our, for us and handling any, uh, any um, things, any issues having to deal with the pandemic. So I think we're in a good spot, but I, I know that there's all these teams and all these pro these conferences that are making demands and, um, you know, if, if if it's about playing football, then I've said it before, we're committed to doing that. We were committed before anybody else decided to come back and play. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many teams will actually get to 10. So if 10 is all that's there, that's nothing to be, um, you know, too bummed about. That, that's going to be a good number, especially if you win them all. Yeah, and, and with uh, with missing the one, you know, um, the Army game, um, that, 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 that would have been great to have 11. I yeah. mean, we, uh, Tom was really trying hard to get 12. You know, and, and so I think it's it's a, it's a it's a common thing now to see games be canceled and things like that, and yeah. and and so uh, with this whole concept of gratitude and 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 uh, appreciation, we're happy that we're sitting at nine games and we have a tenth one scheduled, and hopefully we um, you know if things work out right, maybe we will get another one. Who knows? But we're always game for that, and then um, it's just it's got to be within reason. Like you, you can't spring it up on a. I, I thought I thought Cal UCLA doing that on a Thursday was kind of that, that's a hard one to prepare for, mm-hmm. and they played on a Sunday, you know. But uh, first of all, Sunday is not an option for us, and so as soon as we uh, know and can schedule something, then then away we go. If not, let's just focus on what we have right now. But that's been scheduled for quite a while. Tom's had we've had the schedule here for quite a while, so those two open weeks that we had open have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, hey, before we go to break, did you hear the San Diego State final? I didn't. They're playing Nevada today, right? Nevada beat them 26-21. Wow, they've had some close ones. That's a, Nevada's a good team. I know uh, Jay Norvell's doing a good job there. So that, that's Coach, a, you're going to first and first and goal from the six, the QB. Uh, I'll just say that uh, Nerves got the best of him. He had two just terribly errant throws. They ran it once and got stopped short on the third, and then the fourth. The fourth down play. You'll see it on film. I was I was a little disappointed. Obviously, cheering for San Diego State, you know, bumps up the strength of schedule and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, they fell short. They had the ball first and six with a little over a minute to go. Couldn't punch it in. Was the game in California it, it, or in no, Nevada? No, in Reno. In Reno. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough place to play. And, and you know, I mean, 
the game of football is weird. Matchups are weird, you know. And and I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think North North Alabama was going to have this many yards or first downs against us. And um, I say that we'll 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 you know we'll give up stats for experience, but I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, I guess. I One mean, at if, all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to give up so, any stats, I mean, other than positive for us. But. So I'm a little bit of a Packers fan, right? It took a comeback late in the fourth quarter for the Packers to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, right, who were playing about as poorly as any team in the NFL going into last week. <laughs> to, to your point about the game of football is just one that you can't predict. Yeah, and, and, and it's weird. It, it, like, you have spurts of momentum and all this where you can – with our team especially, you've seen our offense just all of a sudden explode and – Momentum goes crazy, and all of a sudden, all these points show up on the board, and I think that happens even with our defense. And 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 we gave up a lot of yards. The points is what matters the most. I, I kind of like the way that we finish. I like the way that we respond. I thought we played with some temp penalties early in the, in the in the first half, and I thought we cleaned that up in the second half. We didn't mm-hmm. make a lot of the substitution errors or anything like that. We're really starting to um, click on all cylinders right now, and it's it's nice when you have to pick apart and find little things to 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 you know improve on but that that's the that's a sign of a, a team that's got some depth and some great leadership all right closing comments from coach sataki coming up next 66 14 byu over una and you heard it right here on the new skin byu sports Network. you're listening to the cougar postgame coaches show on the new skin byu sports network now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 66-14, BYU over North Alabama here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium where dusk falls after a beautiful sunny day in late November. Fantastic to have a day like this when things can go sideways with the weather, but it didn't today. It was beautiful. Uh, time for the Mountain America field goal recap. For each field goal BYU makes, Mountain America donates $250 to the American Red Cross. Today the Cougars made one field goal, one try, one make for Jake. For a running field, a total of ten field goals this year, he's ten for ten. That brings the total of two hundred, rather, to twenty-five hundred dollars, plus two fifty for a fifty-yard bonus, and another two fifty for today. That'll be three thousand dollars, courtesy of Mountain America to the American Red Cross. Let's talk about Jake for a second. That's now four career field goals of fifty or more yards. Only, uh, only Mitch Payne with eight has more in BYU football history. Kalani, he's playing well, you know, and 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 I think. Uh... A lot of credit has to go to the snapper and, and to the holder as well. So, um, and then our punt game, our, our kicking game has been doing really good. I think Rico only had a couple punts today, but uh, he bombs the ball. I don't know what his average would have been, but it, it seemed like he kicked it pretty well today on, in the two reps that he had. And um, it, it helps out having guys that then the kicking game that's so solid. And so uh, all that's working. Jake's doing a great job, and and. Um, you know, we feel really good about the, the the strength in his leg and being able to kick it from any distance. Yeah, Rico, I said Mitch Payne, I meant Matt Payne. Matt Payne has eight uh, field goals of 50 or more, and Jake now has four for second all-time. Rico's average today was 53.5. Yeah, he's a special one, and, and like I said, it's just no one's been able to really see him because um, our offense is doing well, and hopefully it stays that way, you know. But uh, we know that he can flip the field for us, and he's just got, he's got a, a big, strong leg and, and only a freshman. So, Coach, you're obviously known primarily for 
your job that you do, getting the boys prepared and game planning, things like that. Little do people know that, uh, you know, you're very well respected in fashion circles. I thought that the gray <laughs> face mask was uh, quite the nice little touch. I kept, I, at first I was like, oh, I don't know, but then it kept growing on me. And then I realized, well, that's the old school. That's Notre Dame's always had a gray. U- USC for 100 years has done it. Alabama. Um, what did you think about that change up? Cause, and, and, and confirm for me, I believe the players are the ones that y- you give them the latitude to make some of those decisions, yeah? Of course, yeah. And I, I, I feel, well, there's, there's a lot of decisions that we, we collaborate with the with the players. And when it comes to fashion, and I mean, I, I'm still, I don't get why people would wear one sleeve or one, one tight on their legs. And, but I, I guess maybe the left side's cold, the right side's not. I have no idea, but... Uh, at the same time, that's just a sign that I'm getting old. But yeah. I do know one thing, that if you allow a young man you know, on a team to have a say and, have, and you give them some autonomy and decision-making and you collaborate with them, uh, it could go it could go a long way and, and they could feel ownership in the program and even little things like, like the, the uniform. But we, we do that in so many different things, and um, I think it's a really good way to do it, and, and it's not anything that uh, – that I thought up of myself. It's what Lavelle did when I was a, a player for him, and and uh, so uh, hopefully we're able to do that and keep that culture going of, of collaborating and allowing the players to have a say and have a feel like they. It's just that I, I want them to feel comfortable coming up and saying something to me or to their to the assistant coaches or to each other about what they would like to see differently, you know. And if it's uniforms, if it's if it's schedule, if it's meeting times, all that stuff, I, I feel like they they would take the initiative and try to get that done. And then they're thinking about the program in bigger things rather than just their own personal role. On that note, uh, you shared with your team some exciting news for them and the fan base after today's game. Can you tell us what was talked about? Yeah, uh, the San Diego State game. Um, you know, I'm surprised that it, ke- it was kept secret for Pretty so long. Pretty good job, long. right? Yeah. Pretty good job. And, and and that just, I mean, we can trust the leaders that knew about it uh, on our team, the players. We had a couple that already knew but yeah, we come, we're going to be wearing our, the black uniforms against San Diego State uh, with the royal trim, and uh, I, th- I think it looks nice. I mean, black looks good on me because it's a little slimming, and I need all the help <laughs> I can get, you know. So uh, that's why I wear the dark masks and and uh, and try to wear as dark colors as I can, except for on my head, I wear the royal blue. So the blackout is for the San Diego State game, uh, December twelfth. Your leading tackler today. He had five tackles, three solo stops. He had a pick and a pass breakup. It was Malik Moore, and and Malik's getting more reps as the season goes along. Here, you need depth at safety. You had Zane out. You got him back a little bit today, but uh, I know you're proud of Malik, and now he's coming along. So proud of him, and and uh, he's he's, you know, he got banged up, and he's coming off an injury, and so I think the thought was that we were probably going to redshirt him this year, and and now being able to have this year where we get guys back and the swing of things and we knew that he was going to play a little bit more this week and uh, we wanted Zane to get out there and you know uh, shake off some rust a little bit for a couple series and um, there's still a lot of improvement there's still ways that these guys can get better but a lot of good things that we saw from from Malik and and um, but also some things that we can improve on from the entire defense a lot of good young guys got some good looks and thought they played aggressive and they're physical and that's that's the key we can build off of guys that are tough and 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 want to have a physical presence. No one more tough and physical than Tyler Algier. He averaged 10.8 yards per tote today, 141 all in the first half, couple more scores. Dude just puts his head down and, and grinds for you. I love it. Breaks tackles, extremely tough, 
he's so tough that we can move him over to linebacker at any time to make tackles. And luckily, we don't need that because we have a good group of linebackers right now. But that's the type of mindset this kid has, you know, and, and he does a great job in pass pro and so catches the ball well out of the backfield. And uh, just really happy with what Harvey's done with him and what he's done with the whole position group. And as Sione starts getting more comfortable with with getting back and as Miles showed up today and did some really good things, we feel good about our group and we're able to get Kavika some reps there. And and uh, so all that's going to be rolling and, and hopefully we get Lopini back ready to go 100% by the time we get to our next game. Yeah, that was it. The hope is that uh, Lopini has the time he needs, right? Yep, exactly. And and it's nice that we have guys like Kavika that can play on both sides of the ball and, and be able to swing back and forth. Okay, so it's at least one week off, we think, and if it's two, so be it. Uh, San Diego State's the next game you know you have, and uh, you'll be tuned in Tuesday, I presume, Kalani, to those first college football uh, playoff selection committee rankings to see what uh, what the committee thinks of you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know how that works out. I'm, I'm going to um, try to have a great week of appreciation and gratitude like our prophet asks, and then uh, at the same time try to get our guys better. And there's a lot of things that we can do in the next week if there's a game or not, right? But we have to take advantage of, of a of room for growth, and uh, I see a lot of guys. I can't wait to get back to Monday and start working. Kalani, thank you for the time. We're grateful for you. We won't have a coaches show this Tuesday to, uh, to, to mention that to you, so I'll say it to you now how grateful we are for you and everything you've done. Uh, for the football program, for Cougar Nation, for our broadcasts and, and, and our game days. And so much appreciation to you, much love to you and your family. We're thankful for you and hope you have a great Thanksgiving week. Hey, thank you for saying that. appreciate it. You guys know I love you, man. Love what you you do, Greg and, and Riley and Mitch. Thank you so much for keeping uh, you know keeping all the, the fans in place and keeping them all, the, giving them all the information. I think, Greg, you give me some great stuff to think about as a head coach, <laughs> so keep it going. And I'm going to miss you guys. Hopefully we get back soon in, in a couple weeks and get back in the game. But thank you so much. Go Cougs. want to say thank you to the fans. Love you guys and appreciate you. Go right. Cougs. Thank Thanks, you, Kalani. Guys. Okay, have a great week. That's Kalani Sitake. We'll come back with Cougar Nation now from Lavelle Bird Stadium. BYU 66, North Alabama 14 is our final score. You heard it here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Dining's Cougar Nation now. BYU Dining, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions using the hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Juergens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome to BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, hashtag BYUCNN. That's BYU Cougar Nation Now, hashtag BYUCNN on the Twitter. You can also tweet me just at Greg Rubel. We can uh, take a look at what you got and start discussions based on those comments to either me at my Twitter or the hashtag BYUCNN. You can also use the email, drop in some longer comments at CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That the email address is CougarNationNow. One long word with two N's at the back, Now at byu.edu. And we'll see where it takes us. Mitchell Juergens soon to join us here in the broadcast booth. Greg Rubel, Riley Nelson with you for the time being. Uh, Cincinnati ranked one spot ahead of BYU. Riley did hold off UCF 36-33. to So the team right ahead of BYU won. The teams directly behind BYU lost. Number 9, Indiana to Ohio State. And number 10, Wisconsin to Northwestern. Number 11, Oregon did win, defeating UCLA by 3 
38-35 in Eugene. That's what's happening around BYU in the top 25. And again, this is the first week that uh, the real rankings come out. The college football selection playoff selection committee rankings Tuesday, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll see where BYU lands, and that will tell us a lot about what is needed or not needed for BYU the rest of the way. And let's hit maybe, first of all, on Kalani's comments and your reactions to what Kalani had to say. First note that came through was, hey, if you wanted to fill the 20, if, if, if anybody wanted to help BYU fill November 28th, the chance was there, and it's gone. I think that's kind of what I felt. I don't think anybody's going to come up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and say, let's play Saturday and have it ring really well on Thanksgiving week. The chance was there for the entire season to fill that date. It didn't get filled. I think that's gone. December 5th becomes the next possibility. And, you know, and again, I think something will depend on where BYU sits this week on Tuesday, whether BYU needs another you know, needle-moving game or not. And then beyond that, it's got to be the right fit, you know, in the right way, and and it has to match for both teams. They both have to be equally motivated. I don't know if it stays at ten. It's not the bad. It's not a, not the worst place to be, unless the committee surprises us and doesn't think as much about BYU's nine and zero start as we do. But uh, if you get to ten, you'll be in a pretty rare group of teams, I think, with double digit games when all is said and done. The way things have gone this year, so I'm, I'll be fascinated to see a where the rankings put it, and and b what is realistic in terms of matchmaking out there. I think uh, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, and I think there's been times in the past where BYU is like the guy up there pitching to the four Sharks, and they're just desperate, right? Like, oh, come on, give me a deal, Sharks. I think now they're sitting on the side of, like, Mark Cuban and sitting back and like, look, we're in a great spot. We are only going to take it if we can see how this is something that really improves our station. Because if not, you know, in Shark Tank, that's the thing. They're going to go. I'll go home, and they're all multi-multi-millionaires or billionaires, right? It's the one standing in front, and BYU happens – but bottom line, what I'm trying to articulate is that BYU is in a position of leverage. And then the second point that I wanted to make, and I, I won't put words in his mouth, but my interpretation was that uh, as he was dancing around it, but I got the feeling that he's glad to be out of the Pac-12. I, I'm sorry, Greg, but I'm just going to be open. I think the Pac-12 could not have handled this whole thing more poorly. I think their announcement this way with all of their demands and stipulations as to as to the requirements that must be met if one of you get... It just seemed very smug to me to, to get the privilege to pay a Pac-12 opponent. Honestly, the Pac-12 opponents they need to play BYU more than BYU needs to play any, any of them. Now, we'd love to get the rivalry game in there, but whether it's the testing requirements or it's the short notice things or, or all of those, you know, Kalani, who obviously was at Utah for a long time and then Oregon State prior to BYU, I got the <laughs> quite a sense of relief that he's happy not to be dealing with all of that stuff, rather having the leadership and approach that BYU has taken uh, to this season, and it has definitely turned out far better for BYU uh, than it has, at least thus far, for the Pac-12. I see theirs as a pretty bleak situation without um, – much room for significant improvement or, or to really turn it around for this Pac-12 football season. What did you think of uh, Kalani's post-game comments in general, both to the media via Zoom and what he did with us on the headset? Yeah, it's incredibly... I just get this overwhelming sense of... Um, self-assurance like he's just comfortable in his own skin he was talking about the prophet's message he's talking about gratitude he's talking about approaching thanksgiving with the right mind you know i it's interesting because i see a lot of these coaches and and uh, josh heupel who was you know coaching his guts out against cincinnati here he was up at utah state coached my brother got to meet him and, and know him a little bit and he's a guy that like 
it just you can tell that the profession and it does with so many it just wears so heavily on him Kalani seems to be in a great spot where he's feels extremely comfortable he's got the he's got his uh, program built upon great foundational principles and uh and he's enjoying the fruits of of all that hard work and labor it hasn't been that way since he got hired in 2016, we all know it hasn't been that way. It's been extremely rocky, but he's stuck with it. He's uh, been able to implement and execute on what he knows to be true and the right things, and it's paying dividends for him now. Great. That's Riley Nelson, Greg Rubel with you. Mitchell Jurgens has joined us now from Field Level. Before we get to Mitch and his postgame commentary, let's hear from the opposing locker room. You've heard from BYU players and coaches, including Kalani Sitake. Let's hear now from the fourth-year head coach of the North Alabama Lions. Chris Willis is his name. He falls to 16-19 and 19 today for his career as his team falls to 0-4 on the year. This is Chris Willis and some of his postgame comments via Zoom a short time ago. My guys, I'm proud of them, man. They competed for four quarters, and, you know, we did the best we can against the number eight team in, of all college football. So, good football team. We'll be rooting for BYU, man. They're class act, and I thought we were treated very kind on the, on this trip, and they, they did the first-class group of guys. Uh, Quarterback-wise, you know, we went with Blake Deaver. Um, you know, he just wasn't – he couldn't ever really get in rhythm today. Uh he was up and down at times. Uh, very proud of Rhett coming in, and he's just had limited time this year. Uh, been out two weeks due to quarantine. He was out ten other days for having the virus. He's missed a lot this fall. And I thought we moved the ball uh, with him in the game, and and he did some good things. So I, you know, those two guys work extremely hard, and we were able to get some guys in the game offensively and throw the ball to some different people and. You know, Tyler Price came in at running back and had some decent runs for us. So, some stuff just for us to build off of in the future of the program. Just coming over to the stadium uh, the day before, I thought was good for us to come see the place. I mean, uh, normally I don't do that all the time, but if we play a team that we usually, you know, play like within the conference, but since we will never play this team anytime soon in the near future, I thought it was good to come over and see it. You know, just it's been a good trip. I thought the people at the hotel were class act and, you know, Everybody from BYU has been class act, and uh, it's just been fun flying in, seeing the scenery. It's beautiful out here. I would have liked to maybe kept it down in the, the 40s and not to get up into the 60s. I hate we turned the ball over there at the end. Uh, we wanted to give the freshman quarterback an opportunity to say, you know, he played in the BYU game. This is something, you know, we can tell your kids about one day. And, and so, unfortunately, he put the ball on the ground. That happens when you don't play a lot. And, uh, coach told me that they didn't mean for them to score. You know, he wasn't trying to score on that. And, and listen, I, I've been on the other end as well as a coach when you're beating somebody and you put guys in that don't play. They, they're they're excited about getting the game. They don't want to just kneel on the ball. So that, that last part, I, I was I wish it wouldn't have happened. But you know, once again, we're playing the top ten defense in the college football. So I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I imagine that they were hoping to get a shutout. And, I was glad that we were able to score on that, actually, that defense there, you know, at the, at the first. I think that's the first score came on them. But, yeah, I mean, it's – listen, they, they're just kind of like their offense. If they wanted to score, move the ball, do some things, they could have done it. Uh, their defense, you know, when they wanted to turn it up, they could. You know, but still, offensively for us today, I thought it was a stronger showing than what we showed. All right, that is Chris Willis, head coach of the North Alabama Lions. This is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now, brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Greg and Riley and Mitchell Jurgens here in the broadcast. Muth, Mitch, you are back from field level. Uh, your uh, general summation of today's events. 
Yeah, you know, I thought I thought it was a good showing. Um, BYU came out. I mean, the offense did what we'd expected them to do. Um, as far as the defense goes, I think you know there was a lot of chatter about you know couldn't couldn't really get um, North Alabama off the field. But you know, going back to Coach's comments, uh, I love what he said. Right, it comes down to points. That's the thing that he cares most about. And the offense put up points, and the defense kept them out of the end zone for the most part. Um, and you know, when you look at that, you. you, you when when you win by 52, it's hard to – it was 52, right? 66, yeah, right. 14. When you win by 52, it's hard to say that, you know, you, you can't be disappointed with the performance. Um, I thought there was a lot of good reps by players that are developing. Um, and, I, I mean, just the – Malik Moore, you talked about him as well. And um, just a guy that I think can play a big role at a position that, you know, maybe is not as deep as, as you would hope. And so – Good to see some guys produce out there and, and get a win. And, and for the most part, too, guys looked pretty healthy. And, um, you know, unfortunate for North Alabama, they had, you know, a number of guys go down. But um, for BYU's sake, it, it was good to see that guys, you know, got, got out healthy and, and get some good rest for what's to come. All right, let's go to Twitter for our next segment. Give us a shout, hashtag BYUCNN, or you can tweet me at Greg Rubel at Greg Rubel, or hashtag BYUCNN for your comments. We'll hit a few and see where it takes us in segment number two of BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now. Cougs defeat North Alabama 66-14, to 9-0 on the year. And we'll see what the uh, selection committee has to say about that on Tuesday at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. More of the show next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to BYU Creamery. Cougar Nation now brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's go to Twitter. Brett McCormick with a response to a tweet I had about Isaac Rex. Tweets in with this comment, Riley. I'll have you bounce off of it since uh, you mentioned it earlier. And the response from Brett to my Isaac Rex tweet about his touchdown productivity is... Dennis Pitta 2.0. Where is Brett on base regarding Isaac Rex and Dennis Pitta and a comparison? I think he's right there. I think uh, maybe I loved his comments about what all that he's excited to work at and acknowledging that he's got so much more to work on. So the fact that he's thus raw, surprised to hear the fact that he's this raw, surprised to hear that he was largely an attached tight end and that he wasn't as tall and maybe uh, not quite as – he picked up some length and some mobility during his mission. He's come back and put that right to use. I think we are talking about Dennis Pitta in my eyes is, you know, in the history of BYU, it's so rich at the tight end position, but he is, uh, you know, one of the greatest to ever play here. And obviously his game translated very well to the NFL as he was a top five tight end for the years that he was healthy before his hip injuries. But uh, I think uh, they they remind me very similar. What Dennis had, what what Dennis had that Isaac is showing sure signs of is the body control and the natural pass catching ability. Some guys when the ball's in the air to him, Mitch, you can attest to this. You've yeah. been in the receiver line. It looks like they're thinking and they're almost worried. And then when they catch it, there's like a relief. And then there's other guys, <laughs> you know, you see that look of relief on that look. Oh, I didn't drop it. And then there's other guys that it's just a second nature to them. I think Isaac has that. One of the things that he's being used primarily in one-on-one mismatch situations. One of the things about Dennis is whether it was one-on-one mismatch, whether it was zone, whether was reading hot against blitz he had such a good feel for reading those defenses uh, identifying those opportunities and he was lethal in each one of those so apart from the physical skills that Isaac talked about he's going to develop just his natural development as a football player but under coach Grimes under coach Roderick 
and this uh, staff, I don't have any doubt that he, that he's going to get there. Just the big hope is, as with any football player who shows promise as a young player, is to stay healthy over his you know four years of development. So Isaac has eight touchdown catches in nine games. Only three tight ends have ever had more touchdown catches in a single season than this freshman, Isaac Rex. Clay Brown, Gordon Hudson, Johnny Harleen. Not even Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta maxed out at eight, Hmm. where Isaac Rex is right now in nine games. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, if if, if Isaac were to play a full 13-game season, he'd be double digits and then some, we'd think, which puts you in really rarefied air. But even as it stands, he's where Dennis Pitta was at his max. So uh, eight touchdown catches is a tremendous number. And, again, you're talking about Hudson, Harleen, and Clay Brown. That's it ahead of you yeah. for a season. That's pretty remarkable. So uh, well done by, uh, by Isaac Rex. To get, and that's three games, I believe, guys, three games where he's had uh, two touchdown catches. Multiple, yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, t- t- today was the rare game when he actually had multiple targets that didn't result uh, in a catch. Uh, usually when you throw it to him, he's coming down with it. And uh, he's been tremendously efficient that way. A uh, tweet coming in saying nobody should complain about the schedule this year. It's amazing they had a schedule with how things were going. To get to where they got from all the games to just two games, then back up to ten, and then to play the games, realizing how many are canceled week to week, and the fact they're now canceling games hours before kickoff, wow, to go seven weeks in a row with seven games and seven wins, take a week off, get the next one in, you're at nine. It's almost like every game you might attempt to schedule an addition is just more a risk additional risk and is it necessary risk is the question we have to ask yeah i mean what's been most impressive for me is obviously the schedule you know and you heard kalani talk about it they've been their whole goal has been always they want to play football um but what's been the most impressive thing is you go to the week two right against army and they had to cancel that game and um but since then they they have tightened up this i mean i don't know i don't know what they're doing over there but they've got a system and it's every single player is accountable and and it's just amazing the discipline that they have. They want to play football. They know that something's so special on the horizon for this football season, and they don't want to jeopardize that. And so to see the maturity of these young players to come in and you know take full advantage of you know just being there for their teammates, being there for their team, um, so that they can come out and play football, which it seems. You know, it, it, seeing all these games getting canceled, it's a hard task. There's, that's a lot requiring of these players. And to see them do it with such maturity and every single game they get to play um, since that week two cancellation, um, honestly, just, uh, just you know, hats off to every single one of those players and coaches that are, have given so much to this season. Amen to that. Uh, Ryan Lundgren tweets in, hashtag BYUCNN. Tyler Algier has been tremendous for the Cougs this year, says Ryan. He deserves plenty of credit for the team's success. And indeed, uh, 141-yard day today, a rushing, 10.8 yards per tote, long of 39, couple of scores, does it on only 13 carries. He's been healthy. He's been hard-hitting. And Kalani, I don't think, was joking, Riley. He said, Tyler's a guy we could stick back at linebacker at any minute and have him contribute. Yeah, he just he loves football. He's tremendously he's a tremendously versatile athlete. I talked about it. We talk about how he's low on his shoulder and how good he is at squaring his pads and finishing off runs powerfully, but also when he gets a crease before you know it, he's 30 yards down the field and uh he's just a kid who can make it happen in so many different ways and then what I love about him is I listen to him, you know, I listen to him in the press conference things like that and it's like He's just doing it for the love of the game. He's not doing it for attention. He's not doing it for stats, all those things. And and most of the players, you know, Cody Hoffman is one that comes to mind. Like, Cody was not 
uh, was not in it for the acclaim, was not in it for anything else other than he loved to strap it up on Saturdays and go out there and try and make plays. And, and he didn't love to talk about it or anything after that. Once it was done, it was like, okay, when do I get to play again? And uh, you love being around guys like that. When you have guys like that in your team and guys like that on your team in key positions like Tyler Algier has been for this year's team, it uh, really makes it a pleasure to play with them. Uh, this note here, uh, in the first four years of the Satake era combined, BYU had seven 100-yard receiving games combined. BYU is eight already this season hmm. between Gunner and Dax. Remarkable stuff. Uh, and Dax today goes four for 101 along a 58. Gunner starts the game with a 50-yard catch, goes two for 60. And, and I think one of the positives is BYU gets out of today without frontline players getting hurt. Anybody taking something that's going to worry you before now, between now and San Diego State, and you hope to get Lopini Katoa back between now and San Diego State. And that's another thing, too. If you're able to, able to play 10 games and get to the 10th game with your guys, pretty much everybody ready to roll, every other thing you'd put in front of it would be an additional risk of, of health that, that might hurt you on the 12th. I, I just think it's, uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see what's realistic and what's not realistic and, and what's considered... Um, uh, responsible risk for, for putting another game on the schedule at this point. So, and I think, and again, I, the more I, I like seeing teams right behind BYU lose in the rankings. If you can create some kind of buffer between those top eight teams and and then maybe a little break, and then the next four or five, you know, BYU may not have to do a lot more other than beat San Diego State uh, on the twelfth to to occupy a position that puts him in an at-large position for a New Year's Six. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I think playoff talk is wonderful, and it's great to think about, you know. Greg, I just think there's too much bias. There's, but, there's too much bias and history ingrained into it. We may get surpri- surprised on Tuesday, but I agree with you. I am 100% on the board with you. New, New Year's Six is, is the goal, and we should be ecstatic about it. And then, to your point, a logjam of one loss of P5 one-loss teams is is makes you makes me nervous but uh as long as those teams around BYU behind them if it, in front of them great but especially behind them if they're picking up one and two losses mm-hmm. then that's best case scenario for BYU yeah I, I really do think a lot is told uh, Tuesday at five o'clock uh, mountain time um just how much respect the committee does or doesn't have for BYU based on what they've been able to do in this most unusual year uh Chaplain Schumann notes before our break here and I was going to bring this up earlier and I forgot to but uh Incredible balance today in terms of yardage. Did you see the way the yardage numbers turned out today? BYU 277 passing, 278 rushing. <laughs> so that, that gets you to 555. And I do believe BYU hit halftime with five penalties, I thought. I don't think they – was BYU penalized in the second half? I'm not sure that they for, picked up a second my, half penalty. Yeah, from my understanding, it was five in the first half, yeah, zero, in, zero the in the second. zero in the second half. Yep. So they got that fixed. And really, um, that, that was one of the things Kalani was most concerned about talking with Mitch going off the field was, yeah, I mean, those, you know, those, those five penalties helped prolong drives and, and really helped uh, um, North Alabama into the end zone on their first touchdown of the first half. We'll take a break. We'll return with more. I'll come up with a, a skill-testing trivia question for you in the next segment, the answer to which will win two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. This is the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now broadcast. We're coming to you from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where today BYU defeated North Alabama by a score of 66-14. to 14. Hey, before we do take a break, maybe we should pause for 10 seconds to allow stations to identify themselves on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Let's start the segment with Ben Burt chiming in with, 
While it is often tough to watch the second half of blowout games since BYU plays a conservative and keeps things vanilla, it's been good to see which playmakers may be up and coming. A hidden blessing of this season, he says. Hashtag give thanks and a good hashtag to use there. And among those players we should identify would be, I think naturally, Miles Davis. Miles Davis got running back reps today and scores the first two touchdowns of his BYU career. Yeah, I thought he looked a lot more comfortable in this game than, you know, we, we've seen flashes of Miles Davis. I, I remember the first time we saw him, it was super exciting, but he definitely looked like a running back coming out of high school. And um, just, just obviously, you know, this is the big leagues, right? And um, and he looked, he looked comfortable out there. He looked like he was making the right reads. And you can tell he's learned a lot from the backs ahead of him. Um, I think Harvey Younga, I mean, it, it's evident on the field, but he's doing such a great job coaching these um, these running backs. And, and you can tell just the, the relationship that they have um, amongst themselves as players. They're all in it to help one another get better. And um, and so cool to see Miles get get uh, get some good reps in. And he looked, uh, I think we're you know, going to see some, some more Miles Davis here in the future, you know, in years to come. And um, thought thought he did an exceptional job with the time that he had. And North Alabama's coach was uh, was understanding of Miles, wanting to get yeah. into the end zone there at the end of the game. It was a run from 26 yards out, and I'm pretty sure not crossing Miles' mind at that point is either go down inside the five or run out of bounds. Pretty simple play. He got in, and, and again, North Alabama's coach was not making a big deal about it. He said he'd been in the same position before, and so good for Miles. Yeah, everyone who's played football with, at some level, whether as a player or as a coach, at some point, and, and Chris Willis is the UNA's head coach in some point in his career, he's been in that scenario. And uh, you can tell it's pretty easy. You can sense it on the field when someone's doing it egregiously and trying to run up on you and other times when it's maybe more of a little bit of an innocent occurrence. And and tactically, there sometimes come to, uh, there, there come occasions where not scoring makes sense to help win a game. This wasn't, wasn't one of those situations by any stretch. Well, and i got to be honest. Sometimes not scoring is more a slap in the face than when they do score. <laughs> At least that's my approach to it. Uh, Ralph yeah. let me know via post-it note before he left that uh, BYU was 8 for 8 in the red zone today and has now scored in 26 consecutive red zone possessions. And the red zone continues to be uh, just one of the major storylines of BYU's success this year compared to where they were last year, just how much more effective they are at scoring when they get inside the 20. And it's amazing how, how uh, prevalent a red zone weapon Isaac Rex has become. He's almost automatic when they go to him now, which is tremendous. James Larson uh, tweets in, How about number 7 Cincinnati and number 8 BYU scheduling a game on December 5th for a real shot at the college football playoff? Both have open dates on that day, and it is true. So let's address that situation for a moment. The motivation for BYU would be, yes, if we beat both Cincinnati and San Diego State, we now go from New Year's Six potential to college football playoff potential, the race for that fourth spot. Cincinnati already knows that their New Year's Six bound, if they can just be the highest-ranked champion from a G5 conference. And this would be a non-conference uh, game for them, but any loss would be devastating for them, especially if somebody else finishes undefeated, whether it's Marshall or whomever. So there's risk for Cincinnati that way too. Both teams have, I think, equal, if not exactly identical risk in this game. Um, San Diego State had a bit of an out, but I think once you lose a game, the out goes away. So it's a, basically an elimination game. So do you play an elimination game with playoff hope but no guarantee or do you realize that we might even just play this game in a New Year's Six Bowl anyway? So why play it now? Uh, thoughts on that, guys? Mitch, go ahead. Um, so, uh, and I may be I may be an optimist uh, as far as my thinking here, but uh, I'm looking at a BYU team who looks stronger than ever, and uh, I'm kind of I, I side with 
you take that game. My feelings of I, I play the game, and, and, and you know what? I, I, I hate looking back, and, and it, it really depends on how you look at it, right? If, if you don't play the game, you don't get into a, a playoff, how much will you be thinking, you know, what if? What, what if we played that game? What if we won, made it to the shot, you know, to get to a college playoff? Um, but obviously there's the flip side of that, right? Well, if you play the game and lose, then it's, well, what if we didn't? play that game and and but I, i'm gonna i'm gonna always err on the side of optimism and i'm gonna go play the game um get as many games on the calendar uh, i i loved i don't know if you guys saw uh zach wilson had a um, his headband his headband it said you know any time any team anywhere any place or any team any place any time anytime, right yeah. and I, i'm i'm going with that i'm riding with zach and saying it, it doesn't matter who it is if it's cincinnati if it's um, if it's an FCS, I mean, it, honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter. Just give give the give the guys an opportunity to play and let them prove themselves. This is something really special. I think this is a team we've that, that's no matter who they play, they can they they will compete against anybody, and they're not going to shy away from a performance. And so, so I'd say uh, I'd give it to them. Play the game. <laughs> I like it. Uh, play it, but do not. Not only is there no guarantee, but I don't think it significantly improves your chances of getting into the playoff. I think it's set up such that Ohio State's got a cakewalk. Indiana was their biggest challenge today. They got a cakewalk of a schedule. The Big Ten, when they when they released their schedule after canceling their season, basically was like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to ensure that we get a team in the playoff. And so they set up a cakewalk of a schedule for Ohio State. It's set up such that... Alabama, even if Alabama, Alabama's probably not going to lose. Their only shot maybe at losing is the SEC championship game, at which point we've seen a one-loss Alabama make it into the playoff at losing in the championship game as well, and I think that would largely be the case again this year. And then you've got the problem of Notre Dame and Clemson, which if Clemson comes back around and beats Notre Dame in the ACC game. So now what you've got is... An SEC where you've got either a Texas A&M or a Florida knocking on, uh, you know, as as a one-loss number two to Alabama, and then you've got either a Clemson or a or a Notre Dame one-loss in the ACC. So you've got th- anyway. You just I I do not see even if one of them wins a game like that, leapfrogging that many P5 mm. uh, bona fide programs. So. I say play it because I want to watch great football, and I think it'll be an awesome game. But if you're playing it with the hope or understanding that this is going to somehow vault you into the college playoff, I think that would be the wrong motivation for doing so. As we head to break, let's give you our trivia question, the correct answer to which will win two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. BYU's next game is against San Diego State, so it's a San Diego State-related question. By the way, the only answers will be accepted. Uh, we're only going to hashtag BYUCNN for answers on this. So don't email them and don't tweet them to me directly, but do use the hashtag BYUCNN. It's the only place we're going for answers, and the first correct one that crosses my Twitter feed on the hashtag BYUCNN will win the ice cream. Once upon a time, I'm not going to give you the year. Once upon a time, BYU and San Diego State played, which was then, the NCAA record for highest scoring tie game. How many total points were scored in that game? BYU and San Diego State, once upon a time, played what was then the NCAA record highest scoring tie game. How many total points were scored in the game? First correct answer wins ice cream. Winner next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
closing segment of tonight's broadcast uh, after a BYU win over North Alabama, 66-14, the most points scored in the Kalani Sitake era, the most points since 70 against FCS foe Wagner in 2015, and the sixth time BYU's crossed the 60-point plateau since the 2000 season, eighth most points scored in a single game by BYU, and 52 points ties the season-high scoring margin of set in the Navy opener 55-3. Also, BYU's won seven games by 30-plus points. First time that's ever happened in a BYU football season. BYU's won four in a row by 30-plus points. First time that's ever happened in a BYU football season. So these superlatives continue to just um, multiply, it seems. Looking back, everyone's going to be like, oh, 2020, that year sucked, and then BYU fans are going to be like, wait, it did not. (laughs) That was an awesome year. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) and list off all the stats that we've been accumulating. All right, so we have many, many, many correct answers to our skill-testing trivia question, and they're all coming into hashtag BYUCNN, but only one can be first. And you cannot quibble with this because I can only do what's in front of me on my timeline. I can only take the first correct answer that I see. And so we have to congratulate Brandon Hansen, who correctly answers 104 points. You go, that's a funny answer. Here's the question, though. When BYU and San Diego State played what was then the NCAA record for highest-scoring tie game, how many total points were scored? And the answer is 104 because it was 52-52. It was a crazy game. And sad. Ty Detmer was involved, and it helped secure uh, the WAC championship for BYU. Was it down there or up here, Greg? Down there. Yep. 52-all. Big comeback, too, to get there. I mean, BYU was hopelessly out of that game. They came back and tied it at 52, and that tie was good enough. Tie was a win, basically, for BYU relative to the conference championship. Did they have Coriel down there? Or who was? I just have a hard time imagining San Diego State putting up 52 points at any point because I've only ever known the Rocky Long, Pound and Ground. I thought that was still Al Luganville, but I would have Al to double-check on that yeah, one. That's probably right. But 52-all uh, was the high-scoring tie that was then an NCAA record. Of course, we don't have tie games anymore. Back then, it was kind of a big deal. So 52-52, 104 is the answer, and Brandon Hansen is the winner. Brandon, I will DM you some info. And we'll get that uh, BYU Creamery ice cream out to you. Two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream is the prize each and every week on Cougar Nation now. All right, I guess we should wrap up tonight's broadcast. And, uh, yeah, good day for the Cougs, right? Uh, they, they, they score 66. They win big. They, uh, they covered. <laughs> you, get, you know, when they say 47 and a half or 48, you're like, that's, that's, that's great and all. But uh, you know how hard that is to do? Yeah. They did it. So uh, good for them. All right. So Cougars go to 9-0. and And then, again, Tuesday at 5 o'clock Mountain Time, first uh, top 25 rankings from the selection committee come out, and we'll see what uh, the committee members make of this BYU team and a record of 9-0. Let's give credit where credit is due, back at BYU Radio. Our engineers, Sean Fay and Barry Squires, our board operator, control board operator, Liam Howard, our coordinating producer, Terry South, our studio host, Jason Shepard, our broadcast intern, Andrew Gray. I think the, that's the entire crew back at uh, back at BYU Radio. Here in the booth, we had our spotter and uh, broadcast assistant, Tyler Gibb, intern Tyler. Nice work, Tyler. Great job having him back in the booth. Tyler's the man that uh, the, the man that points to all the right squares on the board. That's what he did today. And our engineer, Michael Wimmer. Good to have Michael back with us after we had Barry join us at Boise State. Good to have Michael back in the booth. And so that is the crew. And that leaves just the guys on the headset. And so for the gentleman to my far left. Riley Nelson. And the gentleman to my near left. Mitchell Jurgens. My name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you so much for tuning in to BYU football today. Final score, 66-14. The BYU Cougars defeat the North Alabama Lions. Back with you 
as far as we know, on December 12th, go to Sam to San Diego State. We'll see what, if anything, transpires between now and then to add to that. But this may be a break of three weeks. If so, we'll talk to you on December 12th as the Cougars look to go to 10-NO and perhaps secure themselves a postseason destination, the likes of which BYU has not seen before. That'll do it for today. So my name is Greg Grubel, saying in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You've been listening to live coverage